Good morning, Wastelanders. This is Streaming Wasteland. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Streaming Wasteland. Streaming Wasteland. Streaming Wasteland. I'm Greg. Hi, Greg. And with me always... And Ringo. With me always is Ringo. Hi, Ringo. Yeah, we should probably talk about this movie. This movie is terrible. Say, say we both recommend this movie. I would say skip this movie. Yeah, don't watch this. Worst plot I've ever seen. This movie had some interesting twists and turns that I, I definitely enjoyed. You know what they say, once you're 18, monsters are your problem. The creature that we're dealing with is called the Dark Mother. Yeah. I just called her Dear Mommy. Do you want to go mm-hmm. ahead and jump back in? All right, we should probably dive into this. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. Welcome to Holiday Wasteland, streaming Wasteland Holiday Edition. This week, we're talking about 2021's A Castle for Christmas. I'm Greg, and with me always is Ringo. Say hi, Ringo. Wow, hi, Greg. You're going to get visited by three ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> I wish those ghosts were more personalized. I'd like to know that I have a very specific ghost of Christmas feature coming to me. Like, I don't know, some old roommate or something, right? He's going (laughs) to just show up and be like, all right, bitch, now I take you to your grave. I'd be like, no. (laughs) But but, but first, let me go ahead and show you my collection of horse dolls. (laughs) (laughs) That that guy would be the ghost of Christmas present. (laughs) Hey, brother. (laughs) Oh, man. It is that season, though, the time to watch A Christmas Carol and Home Alone and Die Hard and a couple other Christmas movies, Elf, of course. What's on your must-watch Christmas list? Every year around this time, you watch these movies. What do you? What's on that list? Nightmare Before Christmas, Die Hard, Home Alone, something that goes ahead and annoys the shit out of the, out of the kid. Got to do something like that. My wife's got some, and I can never remember what it is because she grew up on, on it, but I did not. She puts it on, and I sit through it every year, and I forget about it the second it's off. Are you saying Home Alone annoys your kid? No, no, no. We find something that... that oh, I them. see. You find something you every year. It's like a Christmas tradition. Yeah. Oh, and uh, The Grinch. That's another one that we watch every year. See, The Grinch never really... Like, I obviously watched it as a kid, at least the animated one. I don't think the Jim Carrey one was out until I was an adult, but that's one that we don't really get into. We usually watch the Muppet Christmas Carol because it's the best Muppets movie hand down. Yeah, it's a good one. I need to put that on the list. And then, yeah, Home Alone and Elf and Die Hard. There's a few others, but those are the those are the big ones. We actually, I like to watch a lot of Christmas TV episodes. I don't know. I just watch a lot of TV anyway. But that is, that's pretty much like my list. It's not extensive. I know there's a couple on there. That, like last year, I think I wrote them down. We had like nine Christmas movies total that we must watch. And that's, I think the right amount. There's people out there who have one movie for every day of the month. And that is insane to me. Oh, I love 30 Christmas movies. I'm just like, that's so many. They, they must be a little bit more optimistic than you and I are because, uh, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing 30. It's, like, it's not the people who watch like all the Christmas movies. There's some people out there who just put on the Hallmark Channel and let it run. Dang, I can't remember the name of the movie, but the other day, my mom actually delivered like the most brutal dunk she could deliver. <laughs> She's not a mean person by any stretch of the imagination but she was talking about some hallmark christmas movie she's like i had it recorded and about a third of the way through i found myself dozing off and i thought i'd rather so so i turned it off and deleted the recording and went and <laughs> so and i was like come from my mom that's savage I, I i thought about it and i just realized i'd rather spend my time somewhere else so i just deleted it forever <laughs> I, I looked it up, the comment that you made, and you didn't send me the name of it, so I, I can't help you out there. I'm sorry. No, yeah, I don't think... I, she might not have actually told me the name of it, to be honest. It, oh, it's no. irrelevant to the conversation, usually, that we're having. But yeah, that's the... 
it's just funny coming from because she's a very nice person overall. And so that's her nice way of being like, this was shit. (laughs) (laughs) So I got a question for you. Do you have any Christmas holiday things that you do around this time? Uh, Yeah, on the 25th, I take the day off and I celebrate Christmas. Nice. No, I like to decorate a little bit. We usually put up a tree, do some ornaments, do some lights. Last year, I left the Christmas lights in our bush until July or August, and then we <laughs> took them down just in time for us to be like, it's time to start thinking about the holiday season. <laughs> See, that's that's one of those things about putting stuff up here. Every time that my wife and I decide to go ahead and like take it down, it starts pouring, like pouring or hailing. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> we, you, you've seen our Halloween decorations. We had those out, and we stepped out um, like November 1st to go ahead and pull everything in, and she got pegged with with hail and we were like yeah we'll leave these for another day (laughs) yeah i would too if i was getting hailed on every time i tried to do something i would just take that as a sign to not do that thing we'd open up the door and it would just start dude it was like the washingtonian gods were like no (laughs) (laughs) Uh, ringo street is known for its hail dude we had hail during the summer actually and i was like okay cool (laughs) global warming hell yeah yeah so there's not so many like traditions that i do for christmas it's more along lines of types of things i like to try to eat and drink so there's like a special it's not like a special cookie it's not like a family recipe but i don't know what the name of them i think they're called russian tea cakes my mom usually makes a batch of those for me and sends them up there they're one of my favorite little cookies i try to make like hot toddies or we make some punch with some alcohol in it and heat it up we try to eat more like yesterday we had a delicious corn chowder that just it's beautiful winter food sticks to your ribs I don't know what it is about the rest of the year, but I feel like winter food is for Christmas time. And the rest of the year, I'll, I'll do something like carne asada or something like that, where it's not necessarily winter. It's just hot food. But there's like something about this time of year that makes me want those like thick stews and chowders that just really stick to your insides. Sweets and treats and that sort of thing. It's because you're a bear and you're getting ready to hibernate. If I could hibernate, I absolutely would. Dude, we would be on a three-month hiatus starting like next week because I'd be asleep until March. Yeah, audience, any any episodes we put out from here, we actually didn't record that week. We pre-recorded it because we were both hibernating. It's just (laughs) everything from here until the next year is just pre-recorded and set up to to go out at a certain date. That's all this is. Yeah. Also, don't disturb us while we're hibernating. Or don't disturb me. You can disturb Ringo. You can attempt to disturb me. I sleep through everything. (laughs) Have you ever gotten a castle for Christmas? No, but I keep putting it on my wish list, and Santa Claus never brings it, man. Have you tried Scottish man? I was gonna say, have you tried going to Scotland and talking to Carrie Ellis, who's from London? I should, should, though. (laughs) Yeah, I think we should talk about this stupid fucking movie. Yeah, you know, I'm prefacing it with stupid. This movie wasn't that bad. We've seen (laughs) far worse already for the Christmas season. So it started with lights. It didn't start with lights, but it started with California. Ended with lights. (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah. That's (laughs) stay tuned. But yeah, all right, this week we took on 2021's A Castle for Christmas on Netflix, rated M for meh, starring <laughs> Carrie Ellis as Miles, Brooke Shields as Sophie, Lee Ross as Thomas, Andy Osho as Maisie, and Tina Gray as Helen. 
We all know how this goes at this point. Sophie is a recently divorced best-selling author who faces backlash for her latest book shows she goes to a castle in Scotland where her dad was raised and decides to buy it. But Miles, the current Duke, makes her move in right away. They end up falling in love just in time for Christmas, blah, blah, blah. There's some stuff about Scotland and a dog named Hamish. Hooray! Reviews. For Variety Magazine, Courtney Howard wrote, Despite its smattering of shortcomings, A Castle for Christmas is gently disarming, heartening, holiday-themed escapism that's as satisfying as a cup of hot chocolate on a cold winter's night. For the New York Times, Lisa Kennedy summarizes, Likeable stars with little frisson, Elwes and Shields are also saddled with a formulaic script. On Rotten Tomatoes, an anonymous user left the following review, Better than a California Christmas. Also on Rotten Tomatoes, a different anonymous user said it was funny and different, not the same kind of Christmas movie that comes on every year. What did you think of this movie? Uh, so the different anonymous kind of hits it. I do think that it's a little different. I don't know about funny, but a little different. As I told you, I felt like Brooke Shields' smile was definitely forced and it felt more like she was being held at gunpoint to go ahead and act in this. Also, I did find it ironic that when they brought Drew Barrymore in, there was a picket line and people were throwing mm-hmm. a fit. I thought that was funny, too. I was like, did they know the future? I was like, the fucking irony. I love that shit. <laughs> Drew Barrymore, I know that you went ahead and reversed it, but you made the decision the first time. First yeah, you to decided ahead. to scab to see what public yeah. reaction would be like. And then yeah. you, when everyone was like, wow, what a scab. You're like, no, no just JK. Yeah, I'm going to put that out there right now. Fuck you, Drew Barrymore. Yeah. <laughs> Stand with the fucking writers. God damn. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, this movie was um, interesting compared to a lot of the other Christmas movies we've watched because oftentimes they, the other ones are like super sweet. And this one was sweet, sure, but it was weird. Like the acting was weird. Carrie El- Elwes as Miles. I don't know how I feel about him as a, a as the romantic partner for for Brooke Shields and Brooke Shields was just like smiling like she had plastic in her mouth to to keep her mouth open. (laughs) (laughs) I liked Maisie. Andy Osho, I liked her. Yeah, the supporting cast was pretty strong here. Yeah. I think I even told you, what was that character's name? The the guy who just stood around and didn't say anything except for that one line. Angus? Angus, Angus. Oh, yeah. I liked Angus because I think he was a perfect Christmas character. He didn't say shit. <laughs> movie. Him, him and the dog. Yeah, Hamish. But, uh, yeah. I like this movie compared to the other ones that we watched because it was different, but not in a good way. <laughs> Wait, it's not, it's different, not in a good way, or that's why you it, like it because it's different, but. Wait, what are, you, what are you saying? What's not in a okay, good way? Okay, so to to clarify, I, I like this one because it's not the this, this shit that we saw with um, the Princess movie or California Christmas. Nobody knows how to go ahead and write a story. And <laughs> I don't know. Th- this one felt more plausible, but at the same point in time, it was like falling in love with um, more plausibility than that one (laughs) yeah i did get a big falling in love vibe from this when they started driving through the scottish like highlands i was like are you fucking for real are we getting a tourism video in the middle of this movie (laughs) i was waiting for Uh, carolus to turn to it that's scotland (laughs) (laughs) fly now Aer Langus. what why do you like it here because it's scotland (laughs) that's just it it's just scotland uh i don't know i i also think that i i have a more, uh, more appreciation for Scotland than I do for for Ireland, but I would love to go to both of them. I'm, 
they both seem awesome. I don't know. This this one was just it wasn't the the same slock that we we've gotten with Christmas movies that try to play Hallmark style and then like somehow fail at doing that. Yeah, Netflix really has stuck their dick in the Hallmark Christmas movie game. It's obviously they wouldn't keep doing it if it didn't make it money, but it feels weird. It feels like Hallmark had that on lock and then Netflix like, no, uh, we can also make generic crap. <laughs> so yeah, I have, they make generic crap and everything. <laughs> I have I have some some weird issues with this movie, but I do actually want to start my part of this review out with my general feelings on why I don't like Christmas movies and why I'm not a Christmas spirit person. I think I say this in a future episode's upcoming when we're talking about the Princess Switch, but I feel like Christmas movies get a pass from audiences for being a Christmas movie. And that never has really rung true for me. It's they use Christmas to help you draw on hopefully positive emotions because they can't act or write well enough to get that. The story's too weak. The performances are too weak. The setting's too weak for you to get these natural good feelings like the high you would get from a well-written acted rom-com take like my big fat greek wedding for example and so they slap christmas into it because you sound like an asshole when you hate on christmas trust me i do it every year and every year i get called an asshole i also think that there's a large amount of people out there who will gladly tell you until you fucking your ears fall off about how much Valentine's Day is a corporate holiday and blah blah fucking blah. Oh, it's all just for corporations to make money so that there's a big holiday in Q1, etc., etc., etc. But Christmas is the same fucking thing. There's a little bit of religious connotation behind it, but 98% of the people I know that are pumped about Christmas may have never set foot in a church, at least not since they were kids. I don't know why Christmas gets the pass that Valentine's Day doesn't. I'm not defending Valentine's Day. I don't like that holiday either. Uh, You guys might hear from listening. I'm not much of a holidays person. I just don't really buy into a lot of that shit, but... That's my issues with Christmas movies is that they, they're basically trying to prey on probably what were good feelings like that manifested themselves as a kid when you got like a cool present or all your family was around. And they're trying to tap into this constant renewal of mysticism that we're given every time this year to make up for what is otherwise a very bland movie. If this movie was called A Castle for Fourth of July, absolutely nobody would have watched it. And Oh, yeah, definitely. And I would be weird to Scotland, but like a castle for Thanksgiving. No one's watching that. A castle for fucking, I don't know, like Scotland Day. I wish I knew Scottish holidays, <laughs> but I don't. But either way, a castle for the Jubilee. It would be it, nobody would be turning that on. It would not be a movie. So they're 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 banking on Christmas to make a movie work in terms of this specific movie. This one isn't that bad. It is probably a passable movie. I think Carrie Elwes and Brooke Shields don't have a lot of chemistry and they probably didn't have a lot of time to work on it and that's fine. I don't think anybody gave 100% to this movie. But that's the biggest drawback is that much like Falling in Love, it doesn't feel like the two leads like each other. And, or maybe not like each other, but they certainly don't feel like they love each other. The vibe I got from them more often than not was like long lost siblings or separated siblings like they hadn't seen each other in 30 years but the thing that i like the most about this movie and it it took me a couple days to really kind of like stew on it it's fucking nice to see two adults 
falling in love like to full on have basically crested the halfway point of their life not to be callous but statistically speaking if you're 50 plus you're probably over halfway to the end of your life and it's it's nice to see those people in a story instead of another 22 year old who can just uproot their life because they have nothing holding them back or another 28 year old who's out of college but doesn't know what doesn't know what they want from the world and they're just wandering around until some fake coincidence gives them there's also little coincidence in this the castle is a known entity and sophie goes to scotland with the intent of buying this castle she didn't win it in a contest she didn't find out it was for sale like from a, a villager or anything like that she just fucking showed up and was like hey i want to buy that castle that's why i came here so in that way this is a little bit different than a lot of those movies i appreciate the grown-up nature of their romance there was not a lot of ridiculous awkward flirting or anything like that it was mostly just two people coming to terms with the fact that they actually did like each other even though they knew it was a cliche i'd say this movie is probably the best of the christmas rom-com hallmark-esque uh romance movies we've watched it might actually be the best rom-com we've watched and yeah that's weird for me to say about a christmas movie Um, especially considering they kept forcing in very awkward romance scenes that we haven't really seen in other romance yes those were weird but that aside i do think that this one would be at the top of our romance list but for me for me too and speaking of awkward romance scenes the meet cute in this movie was the most awkward and worst one i've seen when the scene is sophie's getting out of a car and hamish the dog is running at her she's looking at carrie ellis and then he yells over her shoulder hamish no she turns around the dog pushes her and this dog is not like a big dog like brooke shields is not some little petite like 100 pound waif this dog looks like it would have just got up on her she wasn't carrying heavy things but somehow she falls over and spins right back into carrie elvis's arms and then they stare at each other for a minute to really emphasize like this is the best our chemistry will get we will not get better chemistry in this movie and to add to that miles also stepped in to catch her yeah it was the most awkward little meet cute that that we've seen in one of these movies i i couldn't i looked at that i was like did that just happen and i rewound it and i was like oh my god <laughs> that's so bad and then it happens again later on like at the midpoint of the movie when they're they're going up the stairs or something like that and she turns around and they're like nose to nose and i'm like yeah oh, stop 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 yeah there was a lot of close following in this movie i thought that was an interesting choice my other problem with this movie specifically, my big problem, is that this is another country meets city story, which I've never been a fan of. There's a lot of reasons for why this movie works. I'm going to steal a page from your book, Ringo. I talked to my Good. wife about this, and she mentioned that fish out of water stories are actually pretty common, and they are really good. They have natural comedy built in. And in this situation, I don't feel like the comedy ever really gets explored with A Castle for Christmas. There. For a rom-com, the com is actually pretty light. Uh, I think we're mostly meant to laugh at the miserable miles. And the rest of it is, I don't know, like banter-esque comedy. 
if that. But yeah, it's just never been a movie format that that really works for me. Thankfully, they didn't have a scene where Sophie was like, let me show you something American. And then the entire village adopts that. Because, you know, there's always that scene in those type of movies, right? It's like, I'm from so-and-so, and this is how we'd handle the problem. And then everyone's like, oh, this is the best way. Thankfully, there was none of that. The problem she solved was, how does Miles get to keep his castle? Oh, she buys it. Also, in doing research for this, Ringo and I realized castles are a lot cheaper than we thought. So in five to ten years, if you guys keep giving us money and by keep a start, one day we'll be Scotland Wasteland. <laughs> Scotland Wasteland. Come D- come visit us and then buy our, buy our castle so we can go ahead and... That accent uh, just got us kicked out of Scotland. Oh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it. that's a rule. You can't do that. Shit. I guess my D&D character is going to die today. <laughs> Your D&D character doesn't have a Scottish accent. No, no, no. You haven't met him yet. He's dead. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I called it. <laughs> oh, he was dead the moment you thought of him. So, unless you thought of him right now. <laughs> I think Carrie Ellis and Brooke Shields did the best they could with the script. Something I mentioned to you, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, but I think the thing that, that held this movie back was actually trying to hit all the tropes. I think that yes. they actually could have let these actors play with the material a little bit, but because they forced every trope in the book into this movie, I feel like it actually... Like, they took what could have been a above-average movie and lowered it down to, like, a barely-average movie. But what do you think? I Yeah, 100%. And I think that's partially because the directors don't trust that the story's going to come through unless, of course, you hit beat one, beat two, beat three, all the way through beat ten. And you got to follow the path that's already been built. you got to follow it from start to finish. And if you don't finish, then the, the audience is going to be like, Was that a romance? Was that a romance? Was that a romance comedy? Or was that horror? That was horror, right? I don't understand. The audience is smart enough to figure it out. Greg and I figured it out in the first three seconds whenever Miles caught Sophie. It made sense. We were like, okay, these two are going to fall in love. That's that's our main characters. I do agree that if um, they had removed some of the tropes and stopped following the preset path, maybe the, the story in this would have been a little bit more acceptable. That's, I think you're right. Yeah, so here's how I would have I would have liked to see this movie play out a little bit, and maybe maybe this is just me, but what if Sophie arrives January second and buys this castle, and Miles does this whole like, okay, but you got to live here for ninety days, motherfucker, bah, ah, ah, right? <laughs> and she's like, dope, fine, and she calls in a shitload of workmen because apparently she she's got money and castles aren't as expensive as we think, so she hires a bunch of workers. They start revamping this castle, rehabbing it to be uh, a much more livable, less leaking, less issues. After 90 days, boom, he's out. Maybe they have a scene where they have this heated debate. They haven't quite started their relationship yet, but they have this huge argument. And she's like, you can stay if you want to pay me rent. And he's like, I'd never pay rent in my castle. And she's like, it's my castle now, bitch. And he's like, fuck you. And then he drives off and maybe we don't see him for a few weeks. And then maybe he comes back in the picture around September and he's kind of like, hey, I just I feel really shitty about this. I know it's yours. I'm not trying to take it back from you or anything, but I would like if you would let me stick around. I'll I'll pay rent or something. And then they start like exploring their feelings for each other, where it's this idea of it's it's the guy who's making the big emotional gesture because it's not necessarily about the girl, but it's about his home, his land, his place. And then it also and the girl becomes part of that. I think maybe. That could have been a more interesting story than what we got. But this had to follow every single beat, like, as if somebody had just 
had Googled generic rom-com plot or, or asked ChatGPT, <laughs> write me a Christmas castle story, and they spit this out, and they were like, perfect, let's change a few words. Yeah, I'd get behind that one a little bit more than this one. Yeah. Also, real quick, I, I did a little research. Apparently, romance authors can look at making about ten thousand uh, dollars off of their their books. So I don't know. I don't know how how much money Brooke Shields was making off of like eight or nine books. Because depending nah, on where I don't she's... I don't buy that figure one bit. I would say that there are plenty. So maybe modern day self published authors could do that. But I think that traditional publishing, if you can make it there you are going to make a lot of money. Yeah. I, I think I looked this up when we were talking about this earlier, but Judith McNaught, who has written a bunch of period piece romances, her net worth is in the tens of millions. But I think that there's a lot of money to be made for traditionally published authors. Um, it's hard to it's hard to say because some of them, like Nora Roberts or Daniel Steele, have like 10 trillion books and so <laughs> it's hard to say that like oh somebody with only 12 could do like a million dollars but like you can't compare the two yeah I don't, i'm just bringing up the the possibility that she might not have millions of dollars uh, that's all i'm getting at. i think she has millions of dollars colleen hoover is estimated to be worth five million dollars fair enough I, I think that you, you've got it there. I think that would have been a, a little bit better. I don't know. I, I got to say that I, I did like the aspect of Miles and how he's trying to be, like, kind. And we actually get a character who is kind. A little awkward. He is awkward as shit. But at least he's actually kind. Uh, yeah. It was interesting seeing him go, We when we remove one tree, we plant two. I was like, cool. So he's actually environmentally sane. I wish um, that had gone somewhere because right, yeah. that was literally tossed in as I, I don't know what we were supposed to get out of that. We've been talking a little bit about film critique and how every shot in a movie, every line in a movie is, is left in on purpose, right? These, these aren't filmed live. So we are, we are getting an edited version. So they left the dialogue in of him being like, we have solar and sustainable forestry. Like, he says it in such a way that she's either supposed to be impressed or intimidated, but she's neither. And mm -hmm. I felt the same way. I was right there with Brooke Shields. I was like, okay. And then that was it. I was like, well, what, the, what, what the fuck? Yeah, and it's awkward that he's got solar and, and the forestry thing, and yet not able to make enough money to, I don't know, keep his castle and his, his people afloat. Yeah, we don't know much about his other financial dealings, but I it, that would be <laughs> like going on to the internet Reddit side of things here. That's my red flag is where all this guy's money go. <laughs> like, if he has this big ass castle and he has all this, did he inherit a ton of debt or what happened there? They, they explained that his dad blew all the money. Oh, did they? I was probably yeah. trying to figure out if these characters actually liked each other and I must have missed it. <laughs> Yeah, it was near midway to three quarters of the way in. Yeah, his dad went ahead and blew all the money, and his great-grandfather did something. And I'm like, so the great-grandfather doesn't matter. You don't need to add that in. Yeah. But adding in the dad was a dickhead? Okay. I get, but like even then, isn't, isn't he supposed to technically collect taxes from the people around him or some shit? I, I don't know. I don't know how like heraldry works and all that sort of stuff in modern uh, United Kingdom, Scotland area, so... For all I know, like, I'm thinking of, of serfs and fiefdoms and how they used to work, so... I'm, they made it sound like that's what it was, though. Yeah, I don't know. That's just one of those things, like, 
we're probably gonna have to deal with this a couple more times because uh, it seems like this is often a common trope in Christmas movies. Yeah. But I don't know enough about how it works now to really say if if that's like somewhat accurate. The one thing I'll know is that it seemed like this village, for being a small, out of the way village, was fucking cracking at Christmas time. A shitload right? of people showed up, and it can't all be for Sophie Brown. I don't know, but the way that they acted when she walked into the uh, hotel, and they're like, it's Sophie Brown! It's Sophie Brown! You, I love your story! You should have killed the character off sooner! Oh my god! Uh, maybe. Yeah. I will say that was my most relatable moment in this movie, when Brooke Shields was like, fuck you, I could have killed him off a thousand different right? ways. I was like, hell yeah, dude. You know what? You're unhappy with ha- the, the fact that an author killed off their character? Here's a pro tip. Go write some fan fiction. You're you're welcome to be like that's not me being like oh you think you could talk about movies let me see you make one or oh you think you tell me if food's good let me see you cook but more along the lines of you're allowed to be unhappy with any author's decision right the same way one of my favorite bands they've changed their style of music oh to something I don't really care for I don't go on their subreddit I don't fucking find their shows and pick at them that's fine they get to make a choice if I wanted to make music that I think they need to make I would pick up my bass I would pick up a guitar I would play drums and I would make this music if I felt that deeply about it if if I was reading I don't know whatever I can't I can't remember the name of the character is the fake stories L something or whatever but I'm reading these books if I'm pissed off that this Winston character dies I'm probably thinking about writing some fan fiction where he doesn't die Mm -hmm. and that's that's that and then at the end, of course, she gets redeemed. Oh, your new fucking book, The Way of the Warrior Woman or whatever it was. I can't remember what they called it, but I was just like, of course. And of course, she's back to making millions of dollars. Yeah. I do think that the I could kill him in a million different ways and you couldn't stop me. And then like cutting over to Miles watching that and actually locking his bedroom door. That yeah, I, that I was funny. Not a giggle out of that. I, I do like whenever you can go ahead and do a callback like that and have an actual emotional reaction from the audience. Unlike some of the rom-coms that we've watched where they've done callbacks and you're like, it's not funny. Yeah. It's not funny. It wasn't good the first time. Reheated, <laughs> it's still not good. Reheated, it's actually worse. But yeah, I, I think that... I don't know if I would say that this is a movie that people should watch, but it's in our list, I would say that if you had the entire romance list that we've we've done... My my opinion on it is I would put this one on if I had to pick from our list. I would say that this is a passable Christmas movie. This isn't going to go on my personal list, but if somebody were to be like, hey, man, seen any good Christmas rom-coms or any good Christmas movies I might not have seen, I, I'd recommend this. I really don't think it's the worst. The runtime is fine. And one thing that pretty much every review noted was that the scenery is gorgeous because in case you've never Googled it, Scotland's a pretty fucking place. So... At least, if nothing else, has that. This is my favorite animal companion we've seen. Hamish the dog yeah. is is great. And I would say the supporting cast is really good here. They, they do a good job. They're in the movie just enough to be recognizable characters. But they're not in the movie so much that you start thinking like, oh, is this, is this about them? So I think that <laughs> they are... They're, they're a good reason to watch this. Honestly, I think Cariola's and Brooke Shields did the best they could with what they had. This is it's pretty passable fare. I don't think I don't think it'll blow anybody's socks off, but I think that you could do a lot worse. Yeah. And uh, watching Brooke, Brooke Shields go ahead and force a smile is actually hilarious thinking about it. Yeah. I would say, like, I think we've used the food analogy on this podcast before about how a lot of these movies are just junk food. This is probably mm-hmm. like the... 
like if we're using like a junk food analogy maybe like some of the crappier movies are just fucking cinnamon toast crunch pop tarts this would be mm-hmm. like the low frosting light version of a pop tart that tries to pretend that it's healthy but really it's just a little bit less sugar and calories but it's closer to being regular food and not just sugary treats so that's how that's that's my tortured analogy for what this is i like it on a dinner plate this is mashed potatoes covered in butter it's not healthy for you but it's technically a vegetable (laughs) (laughs) i want some mashed potatoes now (laughs) potatoes are vegetables right they're not fruits they have to be vegetables they don't have seeds so yeah they're vegetables but i guess you could technically classify them as roots you're you're a tuber you're a tube (laughs) all right so on the six out of nine scale, I would give this like a like a three. It's like a three out of nine, um, but it, that definitely makes it something that's watchable. Yeah, uh, three out of nine for me as well. Yeah, right. Well, on that note, do you have anything else? I don't have anything witty to say. So nope. <laughs> bye. All right, we've been streaming Wasteland. This has been 2021's The Castle for Christmas. Once again, it's on Netflix. Once again, we're on all the socials. You can find us pretty much anywhere you would see somebody repost something from a different social media. We're there. And you can also find us on all of your favorite podcast apps. We are definitely on Spotify. Shout out to Amazon Podcast. New listeners from there. Thank you very much. And iTunes, of course, because if you're not on iTunes, what are you even doing? You can hit us up at streamingwasteland at gmail.com with any comments, questions, concerns, and I swear we will read them. I can read sometimes. I think that's it for me. Say goodbye, Rigo. Marley, leave me alone. I don't want to die. Oh, no. He's watching Marley and me again. <laughs> Bye. Bye.